Redman plays on, gets the shepherd. He's a good kick of the footy. Redman, Redman, Redman! Three in a row, and the Bombers are in front of the G. Archie Perkins, they know it's there! And the rapture spreads around Marvel Stadium! How good is this, Bomber fans? Welcome back to The Flight Plan, plotting Essendon's path back to glory and fame. My name is Jasper Chalifer and I'm joined by a Todd Davey who's been laid out all week, mate. How are you feeling? Yeah, feeling good. Um, unfortunately, I hit the Essendon injury list like so many of our playing <laughs> listers has, has recently. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's not good at all. And um, unfortunately, there's uh, another bloke that's been hit with the uh, injury bug, Will Setterfield, who's been great inclusion for us so far but um how you doing mate and more importantly we want to hear all about how you're doing right now no i'm, I'm going well um chugging along it's been a very busy footy season we're into the round 10 which feels like it's really snuck up on us over the last um 10 weeks it's, it's gone by in a flash it's for been anyone who doesn't week. know we both sorry jasper <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know we both work in the footy industry and it's it is genuinely non-stop <laughs> for the entirety of it and it's <laughs> It's in pot as much as we love footy, it's it's hard to escape it sometimes. So it, it feels like it's been going on for about ten months now for me, and I'm I'm sure it's the same for you. Yeah, the weekdays feel a bit different when you're working in the footy industry. You kind of enjoy them a little bit more. Yeah, the hectic 100%. weekends. Um, what, it's been a good week to delay the pod, Todd. So you've you've chosen a good week to be injured out on the injury list, managed. Um, because we've got so much news over the last Wednesday, yesterday. Um, and this morning as well over the club. We see guys like Peter Wright tracking back early. Um, it, we've got Elijah Sardis back into full contact training, Nick Cox back into full contact training. But the big one was Will Setterfield's foot fracture, which will see him out for an extended period of time to add to the, you know, Darcy Parish probably looking at five weeks on the sideline with his calf. Um, this this midfield mixes in all sorts. We've got... Uh, <laughs> a ridiculous injury list looking at it now. And there's so many stress fractures and, and soft tissues and um, just issues across the board right now. It's, it's, it's full on. Yeah. It's so disappointing. We'll start to get that good midfield mix going, but it's, it's going to open up opportunities. We both tweeted around the same time without chatting to each yeah. other about the opportunity that it gives Ben Hobbs, which I can't wait to see. I thought he was pretty good against Brisbane outside of a few foot skill errors. So I think the opportunity arises for him. Jai Caldwell, you mentioned great, observation by you has to get more center bounce attendances and Archie Perkins it's time for him to get unleashed in the midfield I reckon yeah I completely agree he hasn't had a center bounce attendance this year I don't reckon uh Jai Cole actually led our center bounces against Brisbane which was good to see but it was still about 60 percent so hopefully we can see um all those rates really increase with no parish and and the big one is going to be Zach Merritt in there just shouldering a lot of that load and and he needs to really stand up um which I'm sure he will as the captain of the club the team changes. We've already got them, Todd, so no need to speculate on that. We've got Ridley back in after that one week. Really great news because we thought that um, jaw issue could have been more significant than the concussion as well. Um, and then Alwyn Davey in, obviously, it's stream time game. It's going to be huge for him. I can't wait to watch him on the big stage with Setterfield out. And Massimo D'Ambrosio has been omitted as well. Nick Bryan, our boy, is an emergency. Todd, I would have loved to see him come in for this one. Yeah, 
what's happening there? Why is that not happening? I don't think Andrew Phillips is justifying the position right now. I don't think he really set the world on fire against Brisbane. What's happening there? Why, why do you think he's not getting the call up? There's a bit of security, I think, there for Brad Scott. With oh, he's, he's been trying not to make too many changes. Only the forced ones. Matsmo's coming out as that omission this week. But I don't think he wants to make too many changes to this team. And he wants some continuity out of those boys. And he probably trusts Flip a, a, a little bit more. Um, you, you look at the matchup, I would have loved to see Brian come in because he's, he's going up against Samson Ryan and Ben Miller um, on Saturday if he does play, which I, I think was a really good way to introduce him. Well, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Toby Namkervis comes back in. So um, maybe oh, don't tell a, me. I think that may be a consideration there. But you know, oh, he's, co- he's coming off... Of, he is, yeah. He's coming off a big layoff, though. So I, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't make the call when Ben Miller's been omitted... Uh, actually so yeah it's it's interesting um thompson dow comes in which is a weird one for <laughs> for um richmond not not a big fan of his um and then jacob hopper misses with the calf which you know is it like for like with setterfield or would you put hopper ahead of him i don't know i'd probably prefer setterfield year so far to um hoppers if i'm completely honest yeah, they've been quite similar, I think. Um, haven't set the world on fire, but uh, they've been contributors. Uh, I think Will's been a bit more important for us than, than Hopper has. I think it's been a one-man midfield in there with Tim Taranto. Uh, but, you know, this this is going to be a really, really interesting Dreamtime game and and one I'm, I'm more confident in than I've just about been since the start of the Richmond dynasty that we can win. I was so much more confident about two or three weeks ago. I'm going in there... If- Oh, I hate to say it. I'm going there expecting to lose, and I really don't want to say that. But just losing Darcy Parrish, losing Will Setterfield, and yeah, I, it's yeah, it's. I hope we I hope we turn it around, but it's been a pretty bleak last couple of weeks, and you know that second half against Brisbane was really disappointing when we genuinely looked like we could have really taken it up to them and made a great contest of it right up to the final siren. But um, after the first half, it was a pretty disappointing performance. I thought. Yeah, um, after halftime, it was a completely different team. And we've seen this for a few games on end now where it's either a quarter or a half. We really let ourselves down. And other than that, we're, in, we're competitive against the best sides. You know, you look at the ladder and we've played the top six and uh, we beat one of them in Melbourne and, and we've lost narrowly to a, a couple. But, you know, I think it's, it's just been a really difficult slog so far, Todd, um, this season. Yeah. And we finally come out of that against Richmond and then we play West Coast and then we play North Melbourne heading into the bye um, with Carlton just before the bye. And I think this block of, of games, you would be looking at it and saying, I think we need to win three of these four games. Yeah, completely agree. And like I said, a month ago, I would have came into this game very confident, but Richmond were pretty impressive against uh, Geelong last week. And, you know, we were, we were disappointing, like I said, against Brisbane and then losing Darcy Parrish, who I think well, he's, he's still right up there for the disposals in the entire AFL, even after missing a couple of games now. <laughs> so <laughs> he's, um, he's an important cog. But as you mentioned at the top, Zach Merritt's going to really stand up. I thought I, I he got some plaudits in the media and on Twitter, especially for his game against Brisbane. I thought he was pretty disappointing. And I, I think he's been really disappointing since he returned from that uh, suspension that he received on Anzac Day. So it's a big occasion and we got to, we absolutely have to break this hoodoo against Richmond. I said it probably the first podcast we did that if Essen wants to be taken seriously, it has to break this hoodoo against Richmond and you know, we get the opportunity on Saturday night. 
I saw you it's making even a worse. face there, by the way, with um with what I said. So do you disagree a little bit? I, I, was, I was looking at our record against Richmond over the past seven or eight years. It's not even worth going back to when we last beat them. It's it is horrendous. It's the worst record we have against a team in recent memory. <laughs> it's absolutely disgusting and it makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no point touching on it. I um I was sent a really well, I was I was replied to a re- really interesting tweet over the week um, talking about our injury list and the last three years of um, players that have gone onto the injury list over um, that period in question for the Dons by uh, Halalua80 on Twitter. It is a diabolical read, Todd. It is unbelievable what this club um, has given us in terms of an injury list week on week. We've had 15 stress fracture injuries, all different. 15 stress fracture injuries in three years. 38 soft tissue injuries in three years. This includes uh, a Nick Cox uh, foot, obviously the recent back, Heppel foot and back stress fractures. Um, Stewart's foot right now, Jones a foot and a back. Um, that's Harry, obviously he's out for probably what's going to be end up being the season. Reed, he's had two stress fracture back injuries. Um, Voss, Wanganin, and McBride have all had foot stress fractures. It is unbelievable what we're dealing with, Todd. I don't want to say it's unprecedented because it happens every year in Essendon. <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's unbelievable. What's going on? Is the hanger curse? I think you tweeted that, which made me absolutely piss myself. And then... <laughs> almost shed a tear because it's like, there's got to be some truth to that. I, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but stress fractures, soft tissue injuries, and just seemingly never ending injuries to our draftees that we need to be pumping games into like Nick Cox and Zach Reed, which is so disappointing. But on the bright side of things, what surely you were pumped up to see Nick Cox um, training with the defenders. I was super excited to see that. And, I think it's a great move. You, you shaking about, your head? You're disagreeing? No, no, I'm shaking my head because it's about bloody time, mate. Yes, fuck it, yes, it is. It's it's his it's his natural position. It's what he wanted to play for the Northern Knights in his top age year. Obviously, COVID ruined that, but that's where he he wants to play and where he felt felt most natural. And it's taken us up until this point in his career to actually um, give him that opportunity. Uh, and it is it is past time, mate. Yeah. Oh, there was this one YouTube clip of when he was 16 years old, where he wheeled around on the left foot or on the right foot, kicked a guy from 50. So suddenly he's a fucking forward or he's a wingman. I mean, <laughs> but what? <laughs> people get so sucked in by these fucking highlight packages when they're youngsters. Like, play him in where he fucking belongs. Like, he, if he wants... <laughs> like, I completely not, agree. Who naturally wants to play as a defender? And he wants to. So why wouldn't you play him there? Fuck. Oh, I don't, yeah. It's, it's a fantastic opportunity for him. For a second. I have to mute With, myself. I'm getting too angry. Well, come, coming into this season, I'll take over from here, Toddy. Coming into this season, we were loaded for defenders, and you look at the list, and it's, it's really positive, I think, um, the, the, the talent that we have on it um, in those key position areas. But we're now dealing with an unbelievable list injury, injury list, and there's... Now a, a genuine opportunity for him to come in and play good VFL football for a couple of weeks and, and force his way into the side. And I think that we're going to see it. I think he will play footy around the mid-season break if um, he, can, he, can have, he can put some performances together in the VFL because his talent and his ability on the field, we know what he can do. We're finally going to see him play in his, his position, Todd. 
Yeah, completely agree. Like, and people will talk about the fact that he can play a wing and he covers the ground so well and has great running capacity. But you, you see the best defenders in the AFL, they cover lots of ground anyway. So, you know, the, the absolute best mobile defenders that have some size like him, they consistently cover huge territory every game. So he's he's the absolute archetypal modern defender. And I want to see him play as much footy as he can there, get get an opportunity at AFL level. And, you know, I think he's really going to thrive. And we're, we've been really worried about finding his best position and where he, where he needs to be played. And, you know, maybe we found it now. And, you know, he, if him and Zachary can get some footy together, get some continuity, it could be a great partnership going on for the next, you know, 10 years. Very well said, mate. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Brisbane game. I want to talk about the midfield mix and what we're going to see, the changes from there. Our midfielders, uh, the centre bounces were, were Jai Caldwell, Dylan Shiel, Zach Merritt, Will Setterfield, um, and then a little bit of Jake Stringer. That was that was the midfield mix, and I thought it worked pretty well for the most part. Um, they got on top of us in the end, but overall, you know, clearances were even. They won the contested possessions pretty handily, but they, they didn't score too much from contested possessions or their clearances, which I was very worried about coming into the game. We knew they were the best clearance differential team in the comp. So to actually win that by one in the end, I think was a fantastic result. We now see Will Setterfield come out of that. Ben Hobbs, in my opinion, needs to be the biggest beneficiary here. He needs to play 50% plus midfield time against Richmond and the Tigers midfield you can get a hold of. I I think it's a really good opportunity for him to come in and actually play a good game in his preferred position against um, a midfield that has been struggling this year. Yeah, 100% needs to come in and play as much midfield time as possible. Like you mentioned, that that midfield for Richmond's been pretty ordinary. It's not as if it's been a great midfield over the journey anyway. Like it's not not been their strength across um, Yeah, it's, it's not what they years. it's not what they focus on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, but you know, we we got a great opportunity now to like really capitalize on that. I think him and Jake Stringer need to be the guys digging the ball out and it's so fucking good to see that Dylan Shields going to play because I was really worried about that and I th- I think he's been a great and important cog for us throughout this entire season and if we lost him I this would have been a fucking diabolical shambolic Saturday night but now <laughs> you know, we, can, we can go in with a little bit of optimism and um yeah who, who would you, I know you mentioned Hobbs there but who would be your preferred person to pump the um, CBAs into in the absence of Will Setterfield, obviously Hobbs, but would you like to see Archie Perkins get a whole bunch of CBAs or would you prefer to see him sort of play the role he's been playing now and try and chime in with goals up forward? I think um, you look at the players that we're going to have in there, it's going to be Shield and Merritt. Um, you'd expect Hobbs, Caldwell, a bit of Stringer. I, I think that the best midfield mix that we'll see will be um, having as as much as possible, having one of Jake Stringer and Archie Perkins in there, they add a completely different forward half element. They can they can exit the front of stoppage with speed and power, um, and that's that's where you kick a lot of your goals and, and you get your best inside fifty entries. Uh, so I would I really like to see Archie get a few. I I don't I don't think he he will, Todd. What we've seen over this season, um, Brad Scott's willing just to, to play him in the position that he he thinks he needs to learn. Uh, that's that half forward role. I thought he had a really good first half. I, I know you'll agree there. He was sensational in the first half, I thought. Um, and it, it, it's coming to him. I, I think he's I think he's got the the roll down pat. He's just and we talked about it last week. He's just got to put in the hard yards and, and do the dirty stuff now. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I thought. Port Adelaide was probably his best game of the season. 
Um, I you think you'd 100% agree with that. And then again, in the first half, like you mentioned against Brisbane, he was good. So it's, um, yeah, it's it's really going to be interesting to see what kind of role that Brad Scott see, envisions him having for the next five to 10 years. But I think I completely agree with you on Saturday night. I was, yeah, we just need to see Ben Hobbs get as many set of bounce tennises as possible. And I, yeah, he was he was awesome. I thought on um against Brisbane when he had his opportunities, he dug the ball out really well. Like his kicking still needs improvement, but I think he's starting to get that little bit of continuity. He's had a couple of games at the AFL level now, so I think he's ready to play a full game in the midfield, and we'll see where we go from there. Now we got a few questions. I love that we're getting some questions out of people, and we're going to get around to answering these now from Rock Photography, your boy. Um, Toddy, are we getting enough out of Mason Redmond? Should he be influencing games more? I'll leave that one up to you. I'd really love to know your thoughts, but he was best on ground for me for, from an Essendon perspective against Brisbane. I thought he, he let out possessions. I thought he he quelled as many defence uh, attacking thrusts as possible and used the ball really well. I think he went at 90% for the entire game. He was absolutely brilliant. Like, I think... A lot of Mason Redmond's impact is dependent on how he's sort of playing at, at that moment. It's, it really is about his own mindset. You, you see so often that, like, if he doesn't start the game well, then he kind of it lets it carry on. Like, he'll overrun the yeah. ball. And then, yeah, it's it's very much a temperament thing with Mason. I thought he was awesome against Brisbane. Um, I don't I don't know how we could potentially use him in a different role. I think that's he's perfectly suited to that halfback role and, um, I know. What are your thoughts there? I, I really like the way Brad Scott uses him, and you know, he's like like I mentioned, and I'm sure you'll um, further expand on now. I think he, the way that Mason Redmond's best footy is played, it's it's between the ears with him, and it's always entirely dependent on his mindset. I completely agree with that, Todd, and we're on the same page here because I think he's had a couple of games where he's struggled in the first quarter and it's carried it into the full game. And you, know, you can look at the St Kilda one where he just had a nightmare first quarter, gave away that 50-meter penalty and never recovered. Uh, and now looking at the full year, um, there's been a couple of those moments, but I think he's had a strong year. I think he's probably been in our best five or six across the whole year. Um, he had 30 on the weekend, 10 of those were kick-ins, uh, but he went at 97% his disposal that means he missed one one disposal that's that's a fantastic result he only had the two score involvements that's an issue that i think the whole team has in um scoring from defensive 50 transition uh and, and that's not just on him as well i think we're a bit too conservative there with ridley and, and mcgrath in particular and i've been vocal about that in the past but uh mace is our most aggressive at, at the back and um i think he's playing his role really well right now yeah, couldn't agree more, mate. Um, absolutely loving the role Mason's playing. And yeah, not not everyone can play the attacking role. Not everyone can play midfield. I think he's best suited towards the uh, half-back line. And yeah, I've, I'm really impressed with his season so far. Like like you mentioned, there's been some off games, but you know his best footy is like absolutely dynamic for us. Yep. Now, a question from Eamon Charles, which I absolutely love here. And it is, um, it is a paragraph more than a question. What is the cost-benefit of the Ford handball game, we are trying to play from defensive transition. Um, seems to lead to a high number of turnovers against Brisbane and Port, which cost us good scoring opportunities and repeat inside 50s against. Um, and that is accurate from uh, Eamon here. He's he's bang on with sometimes when, when we are faced with frontal pressure, we handball a lot instead of kicking. And I think we're being taught that um, from Brad Scott to to limit our, our turnovers in the air and, and to rebound really easily for them um, off half back. 
the 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 issue with the handball game and the forward handball game in particular that we're that we look like we're trying to do um, is that if if you're if you're turning the ball over in your back half, that is the easiest way to score in the modern um, game. That's why pressure is so important. Forward half pressure in particular is what wins games of footy, uh, and that does invite that that pressure. So, Todd, what what do you think? Yeah, it makes it pretty tough when you don't have a forward target though to kick to. So it it kind of it it's a great question, and and just the the, the point you raised there, and the, and the quit the um the paragraph, as you mentioned, was brilliant point. It, it, but when you don't have a forward target to kick to, it, it kind of makes it, it makes it like you have to do that forward handball game. And you, like you said, it's the worst part, worst place on the ground to turn the ball over. It's the most efficient way to score going forward. Um, there's, we always knew there was going to be teething problems with a new coach, um, especially a young group of like learning a certain game style. I think the game style will eventually work and, you know, it's, it's always going to be a work in progress. We can't ever think of this as the final product. Um, you know, we, we, the teams he's mentioned there are two of the best teams in the league right now, both top four teams. Um, so I wouldn't feel too upset about the fact that, you know, we're, they're forcing turnovers on us. But um, I think it's the right way to play footy. And, yeah, um, it'll eventually pay off down the track because I think Brad Scott's got this list on the, on the right track. Yeah, Brisbane had a higher kicking um, ratio than their handballs than us, which is expected. They go really direct. Um, and you see that in their forward 50 um, numbers there. Their inside 50 numbers are fantastic. And they beat us by 30 on the weekend, despite only um, you know winning the second half. Basically, we were up at, at halftime. The, the biggest discrepancy for me with us and the and the big teams is our intercept possessions and and it does lead a little bit into uh, this this handball game that we're playing right now where we don't have a target is the the opposition that we're playing right now usually has a lot more intercept possessions than we do that's that's also pressure on the ball but i think it's just a structure um behind the footy and being able to apply frontal pressure and roll up like collingwood does with their back six that really invites that um and right now we we haven't when the when the going gets tough, we haven't stood up um, quite yet. Uh, but I think it's probably the right system to to break it down and work our way through it. We just need someone down the line to bail us out every now and then. Yeah, and that's where Peter Wright's going to come in down the track. And like you mentioned off the top, he's is um, getting very close to a return. So you know he's not going to solve every every problem we have right now, but he's going to give us that bailout option down the line, and that's going to be really important for us. Yep. Um, the next one is <laughs> what. From Damo, we absolutely love a Freo fan listening in. What crazy positional switch would you endorse? What what would you look at from our list right now and and playing our best twenty two? What would you be happy with if if we switched out some players' position? Oh, I wouldn't mind seeing Jordan Ridley have a crack up forward. I think he's um wow got a, got a um great contested mark. He's good on he's um he reads the ball well and he kicks the ball well. So you know. Why not? Why not give him a crack? What about yourself? I would like Carl Langford to play forward. I think that is a big, big call. But uh, Jeez, you've really gone out on a limb there. The really interesting one, and I think we're going to experiment with it in the future. But um, Zach Reed appeals to me as a really good full forward, and I think at some point in his career he'll make the switch. I don't think he's going to be a fullback for his entire career. I watch Archer Reed most weekends. His younger brother. Um, he plays for the Gippsland Power and he's going to be you know, a top 10, 15 pick this coming draft year. He's a lead up forward. He gets around the ground really well. He has the same build, long, skinny boy. <laughs> uh, and he's you know, a marvel to watch in the forward 50 because 
his impact is is greater because he's he's marking the ball where he can kick goals and obviously you know that that makes complete sense when you say, when you spell it out like that but it, it, it's as simple as Zach Reed can get to the ball easier than anyone else. He looks like bloody Mason Cox out there sometimes. He just he's too long and big for anyone to stop him. And if you get that in the forward fifty, I think there's a lot of promise um, to work with. And I think he become a, a bit of like a Harry Mackay style player with hopefully a better kick on him. Yeah, well, you see that a lot with Peter Wright. You know, everyone everyone loves talking about the mm. fact that he's. 200 centimetres, but when he fully extends, there's not many defenders in the league that can go with him. So I think that's a great shout. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, it's maybe the defence isn't for him. It's like, could be a little bit too taxing on the body. So going up forward and being able to dictate the way you play rather than having to defend someone one-on-one might be uh, might be able to free Zach up and hopefully get the best footy out of him. Now, a question for me, does Jasper have a player in mind uh, this is by Anthony as well, who uh, is fantastic in his feedback um, for the podcast. Does Jasper have a player in mind that's a possibility for us to pick up in the mid-season draft and thoughts on news regarding player managers of certain players not being happy with their players consistently being injured? Uh, to your first point, uh, the mid-season draft is up in two weeks on the Wednesday, 31st of May. Um, uh, we have a list spot available um, that we chose not to to use in the SSP. I'm not so convinced that we're going to use it. We we passed Ethan Phillips in the SSP. We didn't take a look at him, who was probably the best key defender at that time. Oscar McDonald's put his hand up, that former Carlton key defender. Um, I don't have much interest in him, if I'm being perfectly honest. And I completely I'm not sure... agree there, by the way. I completely agree. There's been a lot of, lot of discussion about him. He had back surgery um, after he got delisted from Carlton. People have been talking about his consistent footy and you know, continuity with his body, but... Yeah, I don't think he he's displayed enough at AFL level to constitute people being optimistic about him coming in and making an impact anyway. So, you know, I think we're both on the same page there. I'd be pretty, I would be disappointed if he got the opposite opportunity at Essen, but like I'm not chomping at the bit to get him on the list. Yeah, I think I agree with that, mate. Um, the best options, which will probably go to West Coast and Hawthorne, whoever wins that Harley Reid Cup, they're also going to win the mid-season draft cup. Um, on the weekend, I think will be probably Clay Tucker as a Ruckman appeals and also Luke Teal as a uh, running defender appeal. They're both 20 year, years old who missed out on their draft last year. Um, but I don't think there is a player that we need um, based on what what's going to come out of this mid-season draft. I think it's a weaker pool than, than usual, Todd. Yeah, I'm not sure where we're going to go. So it's, you know... Leave it up to Dodoro with that one. He's he's nailed some of these mid-season draft picks with with guys that you know didn't really jump out of the box to me. And I'm not not sure how you felt, but I didn't really see any of those guys like sort of jump out of the box and like Menzi and D'Ambrosio. And you know they they've proven to be some okay picks so far. So you know maybe you can weave some magic and get somebody to come in and make an impact that's sort of off the radar. Yeah, maybe we take a swing at um Jack Buller, who's a Claremont key forward. 200 centimetres, 100 kilos, 22 years old. So his draft year was three years ago. Um, and he's dominating right now in the waffle. He looks oh, really good. He's, he's You're getting him excited physical. with those numbers there. Oh. Yeah, 200 and 100. Yeah, he's 22 years old. He's physical and he leads hard and he crashes packs. And we don't really have a player like him. Maybe a Kane Baldwin similar, but he's playing in defence right now. Um, I, th- I think he could be an interesting one to look at. But overall, I'm, I'm not so sure that we're um, we're completely enamoured with the prospects right now. What do you think of Kane Baldwin's game, by the way, um, against Brisbane? I thought in the first half he looked okay. Like, took some great contested marks, but fell away like we all did, like 
every Essendon player did in that second half. But I thought he showed a little bit to suggest, you know, that there is a future for him at AFL level. Completely, mate. I'm a I'm a huge ball and believer. I have been um, since he got picked up, and uh, I think that his future's um, in, at the forward end. But I like that he's got a gig as a defender, and he's he's trying really hard out there. He tries so hard, and he puts in just the the effort that you need to to win at your position. Um, Joe Danaher kicked a bag on him, but in the end. Brisbane had 69 inside 50s. He was, you know, one of them was going to get off the chain. Andy McGrath played the game of his life against Charlie Cameron. And unfortunately, Joe Danaher just got in the right spots and kicked a few goals on on Kane Baldwin. But that's to be expected in his first game at AFL level as a defender. 100%. And Joe Danaher is in all Australian conversations right now anyway. So let's not pretend that it's Kane Baldwin got stitched up by some absolute dud out there. Um, so, you know, there's plenty of optimism. He took some great contested marks in the first quarter. I've got, like you said, I'm, I'm really optimistic about his forward half and what he can do up forward. And, you know, Pete, old Essendon fans like myself would remember Scotty Lucas getting a gig at center half back and winning a best and fairest before he dominated up forward. So maybe that's the path that came Baldwin. Yep. I completely agree, mate. Those are the questions for this week. Um, it's fantastic to have some of that, uh, feedback and, uh, just, just people tuning into the show and, and wanting to know our thoughts on different things. Uh, let's move on to this Tigers game. I'm more confident than you, Todd, I think. But what do we need to do to win? Oh, it's only going to take me 30 seconds here to talk myself into it. You know, like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> what we need to do is we finally need to get a big fucking bag out of Jake Stringer. He almost did it against Port Adelaide. Let's... Let, let's um. Just get the ball in his hands as much as possible. Get him to wrench it out of the midfield. Like you said, you talked... I'm going to get stuck getting revved up here. I can feel it. We need to get him him in the midfield to wrench it out and then get himself forward and just get as many opportunities as goal as possible. He... I don't think there's anyone in the Tiger defence that can go with him. I, I haven't been impressed at all with Dylan Grimes so far. I think he's completely lost a step and he's someone that can be absolutely exploited. So Jake Stringer, get his ball in, in his hands as much as possible. Get Ben Hobbs in the centre bounce as much as possible too. Let him just do his work and you know, see if Archie Perkins can get off the chain. And, you know, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, I reckon the big stage is set for him. He oh. He's very lucky to get a game, by the way. I thought he was... I. I hate to shit on Tipper because he's one of my absolute favorites, but I thought he was really, really bad against Brisbane. You know, he wasn't alone there. Like Nick Hind had one of the worst games I've ever seen and he's <laughs> retained, he's retained his spot. But um, by the way, that's, that's our halfback flanker. We're talking about there that the halfback flanker, the, yeah, the one I'd choose yep. <laughs> yeah, above all else. But yeah, the, the, I think the stage is set for one of Archie Perkins, Jake Stringer or Tip of Woody to have a huge impact up forward, kick a, kick a bag of goals and win that medal because, you know, this is the, these are the sort of games that Tipper came back for. And I, I, um, we probably both saw him speak pretty passionately about what this game means to him, um, to the media today. And I'd love to see him light it up. But what are your thoughts? What do you th- what's the way we win this game? There's two keys and I want to talk about one with you and I'll, I'll give you a chance to reply here. Shea Bolton is set to have the biggest game of his career. And I'll tell you why. He's, he's playing his 100th game. He's playing Dreamtime at the G, where he's historically just dominated us. And we have no Jake Kelly. So we need Andrew McGrath to produce something similar to what he did on Charlie Cameron. But the issue with Shea is that he's going to go through the midfield and yeah. he's going to burn our midfielders. Our midfielder is going to be fairly slow. And I, I cannot, like, 
I can't see a world where he doesn't have 25 and kick two. It, it, it's going to be the biggest mission for us to, to shut that man down because he absolutely feasts in these, these situations. And maybe I'm just higher on him than you, but I think he's a top 10 player in the comp. And I, I'm, I, I can almost guarantee you that he is the best player on the ground. Where'd you get the idea that I don't like him? I think he's an absolute gun. I think he's... No, like, no, no. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying you don't, but I'm just saying that's how highly I rate him. I think he, without question, he's a top 10 player in the league. He was so good against Geelong. And yeah, I, I don't know if we write, write his um, impact off as 25 touches and two goals just straight off the bat. But, but you know... Andy McGrath, someone who can go with him through the midfield and up forward. So maybe he just has a completely lockdown role, no matter where he goes. He goes with Bolton throughout the whole game. He he was awesome against Charlie Cameron. Like Charlie Cameron missed a couple of opportunities himself, but he ran with him and played awesome. I'd just go McGrath with him all day. Um, Shea's got a fair bit of height on him, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, Andy McGrath's got that defensive mindset and he's super fast. So I'd I'd play a lockdown role in him. But you know, I asked you, how do we win this Richmond game? And you just gloated you just absolutely I don't, even this, I don't even want to use the term i'm thinking about right now but you you just gushed right over shay bolton how about how we win it yeah well we need to shut him down the the other point i think and and i think this is going to be a really high scoring game um the other point i think is if we win the contested battle I think we win the game and it's going to be a huge task for our midfielders because it is a bit makeshift, but we've, we're going to have four to five guys in there that were drafted or recruited to the club to be midfielders. And that is, um, that's the beauty of, of these opportunities. They're finally getting opportunities in their preferred positions. Like we're going to see with Nick Cox later in the year. And I, I for one am so excited to watch this midfield mix and to watch Ben Hobbs and Jai Caldwell do what they were brought to the club to do. Um, it, on the biggest stage, it's going to be absolutely fantastic, Todd. And I think if we win the clearance battle and the contested possession battle, we win the game. Yep. And like, like it was happening earlier in the year, I think Sam Draper and Andrew Phillips have such a key role to play. Um, shout out Alex Catalano for slamming Samson Ryan, his man, the big, bad, bustling <laughs> Samson Ryan. He loves What did he say? What did he say? I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you off air what he had to say. Uh. It, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't too kind. But, <laughs> but uh, I, think Sam Dra- <laughs> I think Sam Draper and Andrew Phillips have a huge role to play. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Do you think, do you think um, that's where we can win the battle, where we can win the game? I, I really think well, Sam mate, Draper I came... needs to get forward and take marks, kick goals. Fucking do it For again, reference. Sam Draper. Fuck's sake. <laughs> For reference, we're, we're recording straight off the bat of team selection. I didn't even realize Nankervis was playing. I thought they were going to dominate regardless. So that's a, that's a bit of a spanner in the works when you've got the fucking co-captain about, coming in. You're talking about Ben Miller and he's like Ben omitted. Like, oh. Ben omitted. Oh, mate, let's wrap this up. Thank you yeah. so much for tuning in to the flight plan. Toddy's going to go back to bed. I'm going to go back to studying. Um, and as always, at least we're not North Melbourne. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that too. Go Bombers, let's <laughs> fucking win on Saturday night. Finally break this fucking curse.